Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. How you guys doing? Glad that you're here today. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be able to come and share the Word of God with you. I uh, want to welcome you guys from Sherman Park and those of you who are at the east side, those of you who are at Mayfair, and those of you who are joining us online, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are glad that you're here so that we can break bread together. My name is Ed, the campus pastor at Sherman Park, and I am about to preach the word. So we've had our uh, wonderful worship And now it is time for us to put our thinking caps on and listen to what God has to say. We're going to be talking out of the book of Psalms today. And just let me just give you a little bit of an insight and overview about the Psalms. They are, they're filled with songs and prayers offered to God by the nation of Israel. They speak about faith, sorrow, They speak of thanksgiving, trust, and they cover the range of human emotions. So if you've had an emotion, it's covered in the book of Psalms. Some of the Psalms dig into the treasures of wisdom and God's word. Others, they open the troubled heart of a mourner. And then others burst out with praise to God and invite others to join in song like let everything that has breath praise the Lord Psalm 150 they're centered on the one and only living God and this creator is king of all the earth and he is a refuge to those who trust in him I don't think you heard that let me say it again he is a refuge to those who trust in him If you trust in him, then he is your refuge. This is what John Calvin said about the Psalms. I may truly call this book an anatomy of all parts of the soul, for no one can feel a movement of the spirit which is not reflected in this mirror. All the sorrows, troubles, fears, doubts, hopes, pains, perplexities, and stormy outbreaks by which the hearts of men are tossed have been depicted here to the very life that comes from John Calvin. We know that the Psalms say so many things that we know and love dearly and that we are comfortable with. Like, like Psalm 19 which says, let the words of my mouth in the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Just think if, you, if you've got that so ingrained in your heart that that is how you feel about him, that I am going to walk through this life and make sure that everything I say and everything I think is going to be honoring to you. Now, we won't be perfect at it, but we'll be better than we are. And just think about the, one of the most famous psalms, Psalm 23. And I, I'm not going to quote the whole psalm, but there's, there's a part in there that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, why not? Because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. 
they comfort me. And then the very first psalm really sets the stage for the whole book because it's talking about, it's, it's a wisdom psalm and it's talking about a contrast of two ways of life, a way of life that is blessed and a way of life that is cursed. And the righteous man will choose to live the way that God will bless. The wicked person will choose to live the way that is cursed. And notice I said choose. So you and I get a chance to choose and pick which way we want to live. But when you read these Psalms, you get to know ahead of time what the consequences of your actions and your choices are going to be. We're going to be looking at three Psalms today. Short passages from each one of them. And first one is going to be Psalm 73. And so with whatever Bible that you have, whether it's on your phone or whether you've got a, a, a tried and true paper Bible or whichever way you're going to get to it, go ahead and turn to Psalm 73. And then we're going to also be looking a little bit at Psalm 11 and a little bit at Psalm 91. I remember back, it was a long time ago, I was running not through Central Park, but around, like around the, the streets, all the way around Central Park, and I was going clockwise. And as I was running, the, the weather just started to change, and it, it wasn't sunny anymore. It was all grayed over like a bad storm was getting ready to come. And so I'm thinking, I need to hurry up and get back to my hotel because it's getting ready to storm really bad. And I looked over my shoulder and there was this really treacherous looking cloud coming. And in the cloud, I saw the face of God. And my first thought was, oh man, this is the end of the world and I missed it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to die and I missed it because I didn't have it right with Jesus Christ. And then when I woke up, I realized that it was just a dream. But it was so serious. I, mean, I didn't know it was a dream. It was so serious that I took it to heart. That image of that cloud with the face of God in it, I took it to heart. I knew that it represented God's judgment, whether it was a dream or not. And it was directed at me. It was his judgment on sin directed at me. That would be a good thing for everyone to remember is, is that if I'm without Christ, if I'm living any old kind of way I want to, then his judgment is directed at me. That's just good wisdom. That is a good way to think if you have anything to do with reading his word. After waking up, I felt like I still had time to learn and, um, and grow in his knowledge and like I had time to apply it as wisdom in my life. So my emotions went from terror to hope and I have had time to grow in his wisdom ever since. And what I've learned is, is that the foundations of my life at that time were against God. My foundations were basically built by the culture that I lived in. Of course, that's not you. I'm, only, I'm the only one in here that suffers from that. 
But people can allow culture to shape their wisdom, to shape their foundation, and then you will base everything else you do on what you learn, no matter who it is you learned it from. If you're comfortable with it, if I'm comfortable with it, then this is what I'm going to do. And so, it'd be good to know what a foundation is. It's, it's something solid that you can build other stuff on and your foundation will hold it up. I grew up in a tough neighborhood, second and Lloyd. Not second and Lloyd today, this is popcorn second and Lloyd now. I grew up in the real second and Lloyd when there was dangerous people there. And my dad was a private detective so he arrested a bunch of them and so they were this big, me and my brother were this big and they would jump on us and beat us up. So my dad taught us how to fight and he taught us how to not take a whooping from anybody. So consequently, the foundational truth of turning the other cheek from God is not real easy for me. You can't just hit me and get away with it because that came from the culture that I was in. I'm trying to get better at it, but this is just one example of how your culture can shape who you become. And if you get so comfortable with it, you can't see the contrast in what you're doing and in what God is saying you should do. It's just always been a foundation in my life. And there are so many other things or cultures uh, that teach us how to build our foundation. The Bible says that you can build your house on a foundation of sand or on a rock. One will stand and one will fall. So let me ask a question. What are the foundations of your life? There are 150 Psalms and they are covering the range of topics and emotions that we feel as human beings. The New Testament quotes the Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. I don't have time to talk about all 150 of them and do them any justice though, so let's sift all of that down and take a look at just two areas or two genres of what the Psalms are talking about. Let's look at what the Psalms have to say about wisdom and trust. And here's the basic premise. The more you trust him, the more of his wisdom you want. The more of his wisdom you get, the more you're going to trust him. The more you trust him, and so on and so on. You know, it just grows and grows and grows. So if you have Psalm 73, let's go ahead and look at some verses. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 73. It says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. This psalm is a wisdom psalm. So if you read this psalm, you should be saying, even though there's other stuff in here, I should be looking to gain wisdom from God. And it says in here, God is good to those who are pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
I had always thought that purity in heart was impossible on this side of life. We as humans, we as fallen humans, until I had a better understanding of what it meant. Let me share with you what my understanding is. So what does it mean to be pure in heart? A pure-hearted person is one whose motives are unmixed, whose thoughts are holy, whose conscience is clean. So today I'm not going to be robbing a bank is bad. Tomorrow, let's go rob a bank. My emotions are not mixed. My thoughts are solid in one direction. The pure in heart are those who are inwardly clean from sin through faith in God's provision because they continue to acknowledge their sinful condition. That's one thing that I've learned to do is I acknowledge, Lord, I'm still a sinner. Thank you for your son Jesus, but I am still a sinner and I still mess up. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for your wisdom to help me do better. It's walking in the spirit. It's me recognizing my poverty of spirit and my sinfulness, and that's what drives me to God. It's what will drive you to God. So the writer says, I know for a fact that God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. And then he says this, but there was a time when I actually began to wonder. My stance on the subject became really wobbly and my faith almost tumbled over. Okay, why? Why did he say that happened to him? Because I began to think how well off the wicked are. Uh, you know, lots of money, plenty of pleasure, no troubles. And soon I was wishing I was like them. I'm not going to say can I get an amen because everybody's going to raise their hand, so I'm just not going to say that. <laughs> they aren't scorned like believers are. They're well-liked. They're not persecuted. They have free time to live the way they want to. Their money can make them arrogant and self-confident. It gets them out of trouble that other people can't get into. They can be very comfortable with cheating people. They insult those that don't have. They even insult God. But most people look at them with awe and want to be like them. They show them the utmost respect and they don't find any fault in them no matter what. Even me. My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why? Because I envied their prosperity. You know, I, I want a little bit too. I don't even have a wallet. I, I wanted something in my pocket. I wanted the freedom to live. So you, you look at them and you start to envy them and then you want to be like them. But remember he said, this is what he said. He said, my feet almost slipped. The psalmist didn't just go with his gut. I want what they have and then you go and you move on it. He took the time to think through the situation. So verses 16 and 17 in this same passage Psalm 73, say this. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. You know, there are so many things in your life that can have a swaying influence on your opinion. It's sometimes hard to decide what path to take. The psalmist said he was having a hard time until he went into the sanctuary of God. So it stands to reason that if he got clarity when he did that, when you take the time to go into his sanctuary, 
I'm hoping that it's because you trust him enough to want his perspective first before you make your move. And now at that point, he will cause you to ponder before you proceed, and he'll remind you that it's best to trust him. He gives you the wisdom to know this because he knows you are living in a world with shaky foundations that crumble under changing morals all the time. Foundations crumbling because morals change. So as we, as we move on to Psalm 11, verse 3 says this. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So not only are the wicked doing better than you, but there's danger everywhere. God's foundational principles are systematically being torn down everywhere you look. When the news is mostly bad, wars, violence, crime, corruption, political unrest, David reminds us that we can rise above the circumstances of life by keeping our eyes on the Lord. So many scary things are going on in our world, like mass shootings, sex out of control. Just listen to the news, that's all you have to do. This almost reads like a story in the Bible. You guys remember Job? This almost reads like that, where one by one, one day he just got this bad news. It, it, it came and it hit him. And then before he could think through what he was just told, something came and hit him again. And before he could think through that, something came and hit him again. Bad news after bad news after bad news can overwhelm a person. So somebody came to David out of breath saying, you need to run and hide. The foundation where God is honored has been torn down. The foundation that is governed by the laws of God have been destroyed. And now you don't have any foundation to protect you. King Saul wants to kill you. You're a nobody. He was still a sheep herder then. He, he, he wasn't king yet. You're a nobody. You're a defenseless little bird. You need to fly away. Lawlessness now rules the land and the foundations of society are crumbling. So just think if somebody had come and told you that, what would you do? I remember 9-11, some of you may not, but I do. I remember 9-11 and I remember feeling the effects of the unknown, not knowing what was going to happen next. Because think about this, if you've already flown planes into buildings, what won't you do? What, what, what aren't you capable of? I was due to pick up my wife, Carlene, that day at the airport in Memphis. She was in Sacramento at the time on one of her details. I woke up like it was a normal day and, you know, just did the normal things that I do, brushed my teeth and read my Bible and just, just took my time. I was in no hurry because I still had a, a few hours before I had to leave to get to Memphis. Memphis was about an hour away, so I, I, so I had time. But then her sister, she has a twin, her twin sister called me and she asked me a really strange question. She said, uh, Edward, did Carlene get on the plane yet? And I'm like, I didn't, I, I didn't let her know I was looking like that. But, but I said, um, 
No, I'm thinking it's not time for her to get on the plane yet. I said, no, why? She says, oh, you don't know? I'm like, don't know what? She said, turn on the TV. So I turned on the TV and I saw that the foundations of our world had been severely shaken. Remember, these foundations that we're talking about refer to the law and the order of society based on God's rule. Laws are being ignored and changed and lawlessness rules the day. It seems better to just run and hide. But in Psalm 11, we find the answer to how we're supposed to respond when the foundations are being destroyed. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 11. It says this, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? It's like, how can you say that to me? For behold, the wicked being the bow, they have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. So David says, I take refuge in the Lord. And then he asks, how can you tell me to run like a scared bird? He goes on and says, I realize that they, I realize that they have formed their weapons against me. But my God says in, in, in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. It's just good to know that his word says that and that you trust it when somebody tells you to go and run and hide. He held on to his faith, knowing that God was still in control. When you gain the wisdom of who God is and his power and what he can do, you gain trust in him. Then when the foundations of life start to crumble, your first thought is that this is not too big for God. Oh, it's really too big for me. Probably most everything is too big for me. But God is on my side and it's not too big for him. That's where we need to be trying to get to. When you can display that kind of confidence in God, his response to you is remarkable. Psalm 91 gives us a little insight of that. God rewards your trust. Listen to this. Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16, say this. It says Psalm 11. It's Psalm 91, just, just so you know. <laughs> Listen to this. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These words are written like they come straight from God. And let me say something. They do come straight from God, but they're talking about Jesus. It's like, okay, well, how does that help me? When you read these words, it seems like God is saying that because you trust him, he will make you invincible. But we also know that disease takes you, wars take you, car crashes takes you. 
The way to see these verses speaking of you is that if you have the wisdom to trust God, you are immortal. That's right, I said immortal, until your work is finished. But what I mean by immortal is not Thor. You, you can't just take this hammer and go and fly up in the air. I, I, I don't mean that. What I mean is that if God has a work for you to do, he will protect you until the work is done. He won't let you die until you have finished your work. Jesus did his work, trusting that God would walk with him until he finished. He told his disciples, if you walk in the light of day, you will not stumble. What he was saying was he knew that the Jews could not touch him until he had finished his work. If you walk in his light, every step you take is ordered by God. If you're his, you can claim his promises in this psalm, trusting that he will keep you until you have finished the work that he has for you in your life. That's a foundational truth that you can stand on even when you're unsure about what's happening. I would guess that there were some Christians in those buildings during 9-11, but I trust that God deemed their work finished and allowed them to come home. But there are questions. We live in a fallen world, and bad things happen that can cause us to question God. But if you have a mature wisdom of who he is, you do know that there is no safety anywhere else but with him. The worldly foundations can crumble right before your eyes and you can find yourself on shaky ground. I, I remember back when I was a firefighter, we were called to a, uh, to a fire and when we get there, there's this big warehouse. I don't remember how many floors it were, but it might've been like 10 of them. And the way that balcony is where it's up there, but the rest of this is open, where there was floor after floor after floor after floor that had a walkway all the way around and then the, th this was open inside. And so we were up probably about six, seven, eight floors and we were walking and whenever I took a step, I went down and the guy in front of me went up. And then when he came down, I went up. And this is what the floor was doing. It was moving like that because whatever had been, and we didn't really see any flames, but this floor did not feel safe. And it, it was really unsettling to me to be walking on that floor and I could not wait to get out of that place. But my lieutenant was over there and I don't want to say anything bad about him, so I'm not going to say nothing. But he, but, but he did not say, let's go. Everybody else thought he should have said that, but he didn't. Anyway, that unsettled feeling is how you feel when the circumstances of life come your way. They can unsettle you. Eventually, the lieutenant did say, okay, let's get out of here. And so we got, and I was just glad to be out of that building. When I was traveling with my young daughters to go and pick up my wife, I didn't tell you that part, I just skipped ahead, but now you know that we packed up and left to go and get my wife because she couldn't get on a plane. It was unsettling because, again, if they are willing to fly into buildings, I don't know what else they're capable of. And they see me with these three little girls, and they're bold enough, what might they do? I didn't know what plans the enemy might have, but when that happens, don't slip. Rely on what you know about God. 
Pull up the wisdom that God has given you to trust him through it. The foundations of this world may be rubbery and crumbling before your feet, but the foundations of God and his word are secure and solid. There are two basic ways that you can build foundations in your life, ethically or morally. Most people probably think that they're interchangeable, but they're very different. Morals are your rubbery foundations that changes as the culture changes. So what was flat out wrong can now be right because the culture has accepted it. Ethics are your foundations that are built on rock. They don't change no matter what the culture does. If you jump off the Empire State Building, one day gravity is all, all of a sudden not going to kick in. That's a foundational truth that does not change no matter what. Remember this, he is your refuge and your fortress. His foundational truths will never change. And so as we look in Psalm 91 and we go back to the first two verses, verses 1 and 2 say, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. When the foundations of this world are crumbling all around you and it looks like the enemy is winning, just rely on the wisdom God has given you to help you trust him through the toughest times. If we were to go back to Psalm 73, we'll be able to see that his, this wisdom took him to the sanctuary of God. We read that verse, but we didn't go any further. For he, went back to, he went to his sanctuary for real answers beyond what he could see in the world. So back in Psalm 73, verses 16, I'm going to read through verse 19 this time. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. The psalmist saw things in the world that was drawing him. But when he took a moment to dig deeper, he went to God's sanctuary. Then he saw what the end was like for people who destroy the foundations of God and live to their own ways. He saw that they had not escaped God's control. And my dream of running in Central Park, it was so real that I really thought I had missed heaven. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I really thought I had missed it. It was that real to me. I thought it was too late. But that dream woke me up to a new revelation about God. And I've been learning his wisdom ever since. What I've learned about him has given me the wisdom to walk through a 9-11 without fear. It has taught me to keep walking even when the foundations feel rubbery. I have lived in his wisdom for a long time, and as I see the foundations of God being destroyed, I know to go to his sanctuary for answers. That's where my trust in him grows. His sanctuary is not necessarily a building. Even though we're in a building right now, this is not necessarily his sanctuary. If you come in here by yourself, you're just in a building. But if you come in here and there is a man of God or a woman of God that has God's truth, now you're in his sanctuary. So his sanctuary is where his truth is, wherever that may be. So in, in his word through a person, in his word through a Bible, in his word through an app or a message or, or a podcast or a blog, 
there are so many places where you can get the truth of God and you can be in his sanctuary. That's where you can get his wisdom to keep you strong as the world tears down his foundations. You can stay right there with him, knowing that he has the only sure protection for you. So don't waver back and forth like a weak floor under your feet. Stand strong in his sanctuary. But if you don't know the Lord, if you don't have Jesus in your life, and I would never assume that in a crowd this size, there may be somebody in here searching. There may be somebody in here that is interested but has not yet made the decision to follow Jesus. Well, you don't really have access to his sanctuary. You just have access to your own thoughts and your own mind and your own opinion about what things are right and what things are wrong. But if you just pray a simple prayer, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and save me. Done. Now you have access to his sanctuary where you too can then see what wisdom looks like and what trust looks like and what faith looks like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the wisdom that we need to uh, live our lives in a world that is doing its best to tear down your foundations. We thank you, Lord, that you give us insight to what a solid foundation looks like so that we can stand there, even though it may be very tempting to walk away or to fly away like a little bird. Father, we thank you that your son comes into our lives and he opens up our hearts to the truths that you have to tell. It makes, it makes sense to us when we have access to your son. We thank you for this whole plan, Lord. We thank you that when we are small, you can give us the trust and the faith that you are not small. There is nothing that's too big for you. There is nothing that's too hard for you. Father, we pray these prayers because we love you. We pray these prayers because we are thankful for your wisdom that helps us to navigate through this world that is bent on tearing down all your foundations. But as you told your prophets in the Old Testament, you will always have a remnant that has not left you. And we just thank you that you allow us to be a part of that. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.